ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the End Zone Militia Season 2, Episode 7, Week 2 Recap. I am your host, Isaiah Marco, with my co-host, Phil Snow, the Stats Guy. I am the Snowman, and just remember that stats are cool. And we have uh, Captain's arch-enemy, Captain Cademan. What's up, guys? So, Phil, uh, we got some games to go over, and uh, so my openers really uh, through over the night of Friday. You know, there was a lot of good games on Friday, ones that we were definitely keeping our eye on. Obviously, uh, Patrick Henry, Wayne Trace is definitely one that we were um, keeping our eye on. And another one, uh, you know, the defiance Wapakoneta game, another one we were definitely looking at. Uh, Both of those games, obviously, um, Patrick Henry on the winning side of that one, but the defiance uh, Wapaw game really did not disappoint on it by any means. Uh, a fantastic football game really came down to the wire in there, and you know I'm sure anybody that was there was really happy to have been there. <laughs> Absolutely. So Phil, let's get started. Uh, first, we go to the GMC conference here. The Antwerp Archers uh, went uh, winning over this one over Eden, 54 to 24. And Phil, this I think this game was expected to. Not uh, to be an absolute blowout there. Yeah, and before I uh, before I get started on my uh, my stat line here, I just want to formally apologize to all of our listeners um, in regards for the accidental whatever happened with the the audio file. Yeah, just uh, definitely not anything that was under our power. Uh, technology is hard to understand, and with the weather and stuff, it kind of. Uh, put a damper on that so we do apologize for that but we are extremely happy to be back with you guys Um, so with that being said uh, just going over some Antwerp stats here Uh, Carson Ultimus just once again dynamite 18 to 25 through the air for 293 yards also threw for five touchdowns Reed Leasty 18 carries 121 yards and one touchdown Uh, Carson Ultimus also had a touchdown on the ground Um, Landon Brewer had seven catches for 97 yards and a touchdown um, and then the fuller kid had seven catches for 139 yards and three touchdowns uh, so big offensive numbers there um, you know and we're picking right where they left off last week uh, against an Eden team who was high flying really good game in the first half and then uh, and we're just kind of shut the door and and sc- uh, it was 24 to 24 at one point and then it just kind of blew the doors off of there and Antwerp was able to finish it yeah uh, yeah I, I knew- that game was when we were keeping an eye on that throughout the night, and it was just and we just ran away with it very well and uh, very well expected. And the Archers will get to play at Hilltop, the 0-2 Hilltop Cadets, uh, going into Week Three. The Arizville Pilots at Jefferson, winning 42 to 26, and Phil they got their revenge on them pretty darn well. You know this was a this was a uh, this was a pretty good contest, uh, a, a game that kind of. Um, you know, it was back and forth to, to start. Uh, Ayersville had some turnovers, had three turnovers, a fumble, and a couple of interceptions uh, that kind of shot them in the foot on some of their offensive drives. Um, they didn't do that in the second half, Ayersville. Uh, they were not – they didn't turn the ball over. Um, kudos to Lucas Fishpaw. I mean, he, he had a he had a really nice ball game. Uh, only 7 of 14 for 167 yards, but he had three touchdowns that were big. Uh, when Ayersville was struggling to find any ground – game whatsoever in the first half Fishpaw was able to connect on some big passes uh, Abe Delano on the receiving end of two of those big passes he had two receptions for 97 yards both of those for scores uh, Torin can even 23 carries for 105 yards and a touchdown uh, he also had 11 tackles on defense uh, Delphus Jefferson uh, 36 carries for 206 yards on the ground 
Um, Dean Trentman was a big part of that. He had 18 carries for 147 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Delphus Jefferson's big bugaboo on the night, though, two of ten on third down, guys. Oh. So uh, really struggled to keep some drives going there, especially in the second half that would have maybe aided them to to be able to try to come back in this ball game. But um, good job for Ayersville, two and zero, oh, uh, two big wins uh, on the revenge tour that they wanted, Cade. And uh, if you're if you're uh, you're Ayersville and uh, you're the squad over there, you're really happy about what you see, two and zero, oh, looking ahead to week three. Yeah. For sure. They made some big plays in the special teams, too. Ray Wolfram, I believe, he had a kick, ret- a punt return for a touchdown and then a kick return for a touchdown. Nice job, Bears, with the response. Yeah, and the Pilots are doing what where they where they finished last year, uh, starting where the, what they should have finished last year. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's going to be a really good – it's going to be a really good game and all that, uh, really good season for the Pilots and all that. It's going to be interesting how they go on. And they'll be playing. They'll be hosting the Bluffton Pirates, uh, the two and zero. Very good Bluffton team. Two and zero Bluffton Pirates, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a really good game for. It. I think that's gonna be a really good game there, Phil. So next we got the Edgerton Bulldogs traveling over to the hill to the hilltop to get Cadets, uh, obliterating Hilltop forty six to twelve. And Phil Edgerton controlled this game throughout the night. Yeah, they sure did. It was a game that Edgerton uh, really wanted to win. Uh, bounce back win after a really tough loss last week a game they felt that kind of got away from them a little bit uh, so a really nice bounce back win for Edgerton uh, like you said Isaiah winning 46 to 12 kind of controlling that from start to finish a good win for the Bulldogs yep and Edgerton will be traveling over to Mount Pillar the one and one Mount Pillar locomotives uh, next, we had the Fairview Apaches playing against the Delta Panthers losing a, a nail biter 31 28 Phil and uh didn't I, I believe I said this was to come down to a three-point game? I believe, right? Um, I don't know. I just I wrote down Cade put twelve to six. Um, obviously, a little bit more high scoring than what you thought, Cade. But uh, I, I think you made a point about the the toughness that Fairview is going to have um, this season. Uh, this was a thirty or excuse me, a twenty-eight to twelve ball game at one point in the third quarter, Cade. Wow. And and I, I'm thinking that Fairview obviously. Um, changed up some things defensively to be able to slow Delta down a little bit there in the second half and uh, put some drives together to really, really put some pressure on Delta. Shows the improvement that they have made so far this year. Being down 28-12, not giving up, keep fighting. Exactly what they did. Didn't quite get enough plays to win, but good for them. And so the Apaches get to host the Bryant Golden Bears. Uh, very the very next week, and I do apologize if I destroyed anyone's ears. No, it's I that face was because I that's a tough you know it's a tough game. Uh, Is that at Brian? You know, no, Fairview's hosting at the reservation. All right. a, 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 that's a tough game. Uh, Brian seen Van Wert a, a game that they kind of thought that they should have competed a little bit better in. Played Mommy last week, which we'll get to. Which Mommy gave Brian everything they hand they could want and could handle, and um, Brian. This, this, I, I, I'm going to circle that game. I think that could be a pretty interesting ball game. Me too. Uh, agreed, agreed. So, and then we head on over to the Hicksville Aces, traveling over to Swanton, winning 28-6. to um, This game here, Phil, it's starting to speak on where Swanton's sitting right now. It's not looking good. Um, yeah, it's uh, – you know, struggling a little bit. Uh, when you look at the uh, perspective of things, I think Hicksville was 0-10 last year. Yes, they were. Um, the year uh, Paulding, the team they played in week one, was 0-10 last year. So, um, 
you know, if you're Swan, you're looking at these games as games you could potentially, uh, you know, have a pretty good chance to win these ball games, uh, playing against teams that are combined 0 and 20 in their last season. Um, Swan just unable to get anything going, uh, being outscored 60 to six in those two ball games. Uh, it's just been tough sledding so far for uh, the Bulldogs this year. I know there's some new things going on there, so um, hopefully with these out of conference games. Maybe they're trying some different things. New players, not sure, haven't been able to over there uh, to get over there to watch them, obviously. But um, hopefully, it's just a, a stepping stone to where Swan wants to be this season and trying to at least compete in the league uh, and battle in the league. Absolutely. And Hick, um, and Hicksville will be playing against Eden, uh, the one on one Eden Bombers, uh, this week. This and Swan week. plays Rossford, I believe. So yeah. So the battle of the dogs there. Uh, the Paulding Panthers uh, traveling over to Spencerville, losing thirty-five to eight. Phil and uh, I, I. Th- no, actually, I uh, I'm sorry. Swanton plays Ottawa Hills. Oh, Ottawa Hills. Okay, yeah, yep. And uh, Phil, the Paulding Spencerville game, I. I it was know. close for a half. It really yeah. was. Um, I kind of figured this is how this would go. Spencerville with better numbers, a little bit more physicality, I think, than Paulding. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, held scoreless for a while there, but Paulding was able to punch it in. And um, I, I like the the grit of this Paulding Panther team. I do think that they're going to give some teams some fits in the GMC. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that they're going to win a lot of games in the GMC. I don't know that. Uh, but I do think they are going to give some teams some really tough uh, tough games. They're going to be a tough out on most nights uh, just because they, they're starting to play pretty hard, guys. Mm-hmm. Paulding's always traditionally a very physical team. I think, my opinion personally, they're one of the hardest hitting teams in the GMC. I don't know if they have enough to necessarily pull out some wins that they probably shouldn't win, but you may not win, but you're definitely going to feel them the next morning. Absolutely. And so Pauline gets the travel over to Jefferson, who's 0 2. Now we have the Tenora Rams Ooh. traveling over to the castle Ooh. and they bring in. They brought their battling ram, I tell you that, Phil, and they knocked the doors down and took what they wanted, winning 27-19, and Cade, you get to say it. I told you so, Markle. You're fired. <laughs> oh, you're firing me. I fire you two times now. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to defer so, to Cade here and let Cade have the floor first. Yeah, so go, go ahead, Cade, and talk, talk about this ballgame a little bit. So I really wasn't at the ball game, but I rewatched it on Tenora Rams Live. It's just Tenora had a couple starters out, so they had some adversity that they were facing. But, Phil, I think you and I talked about a key player was going to be Dominic Ramazzi. They said they were going to use him in the run, and he had three touchdowns. They responded really well to Otsego's physicality. They were able to get some big plays late third quarter to kind of pull away a little bit. There, there was some luck. I'm not saying Tenora played perfect. I mean, I think – the Farley kid threw a ball to a receiver and hit him right off his face mask, and then he just dropped it. So, well played game by Tenora. Congratulations to Eric Becker on his first win. Yeah, and I think uh, you know I think you saw a response out of Tenora a little bit. Uh, maybe took a little bit of the loss to Liberty Center a little bit personally. I think Coach Becker kind of you know called the kids out a little bit and said, "Hey, we can't let this be our season. I, I mean, that just can't be what it is. We know the the gauntlet that Tenora plays the schedule, and we know they're going to see Archibald next week at home." Who's, who's playing extremely well, as good as anybody defensively right now in the area, if you ask me. So um, Tenora really, really needed this win, really needed to find some offense. 
And, you know, we did talk about this a little bit throughout the week, Cade, um, just kind of messaging each other about how big that Dominic Graziani was going to play in this game. He had to have a big game. Yep. Um, I wrote down some stuff. It, it, it's not here. It's at home about – and I forgot to post it because I just got so busy. But um, players who I thought were going to have to have big games to win. Uh, Colton Cruz was number one on my list. Brylon Parker was number two on my list. And number three on my list was um, it was Dominic Graziani because that was and that was just it. he had to play a good game, you know. Last week, you know, we talked about it a little bit maybe tried to take too much yep. um, going down the field uh, in a game that was still a little bit manageable there in the second half. You know as well as I do, momentum plays can change a game. We can see. Uh, see three touchdowns and three two-point conversions in two minutes. We've already seen it this year. So you're never out of a game yeah. uh, when you have good athletes. And, and he bounced back, answered the bell very, very nicely. Let me just say also to the Snowar Rams defense, it's classic, bend but don't break. I mean, after Ansego scored, they're on their second drive in the third quarter. Ansego onside kicked it, got the ball back. But Tenora's defense held. And to say the play calling for Tenora was just – it was, it was a great play-calling game. They got the ball to Grady outside instead of taking all the deep shots, which Tenora has quality receivers. It's just you don't need to make take the deep ball. You just don't have to. There was another play, if I remember correctly, it was like third and 18 on the 30-yard line. Just dump it off to Grady, let him get the yards, and just punt the ball back. Just good fundamental play. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be interesting on how, that, how uh, the rest of the season goes for the Knights here. And the Rams get, and like we already mentioned, the Rams get to host the Archibald Blue Streak, who has been has been playing phenomenal football lately. Yeah, and Otsego, uh, unfortunately for the Knights, it doesn't get any easier. Uh, Going to have to travel on the road next week and play a Liberty Center team who just was firing on all cylinders on Friday night against Napoleon. Yep. And so we head on over to Patrick Henry, Hamler, Ohio, the Wayne Trace Raiders. The Tra- Raiders. The Raiders. Driving over to Patrick Henry, losing 34 to 12. Phil, this was a this game was it was really good, a solid game, but just defense really played a huge uh, huge part in the game uh, in the second half for the Patriots. Yeah, you know, uh, a couple of things that I circled here uh, when I wrote down the stats for this game was uh, Patrick Henry scored 14 in the first quarter and 20 points in the second quarter. Wayne Trace with three turnovers in the first half, all converted to Patrick Henry touchdowns. Um, that's the big story of this ball game, if you ask me. Um, and talking with Nash and uh, Houston, which you'll hear in just a little bit, um, really spoke heavily on the defense, which kind of gave them some momentum to get uh, their offense going. Um, Houston Miranda had 23 carries for 80 yards and three touchdowns. Um, obviously not a lot of yards, but you know when they needed needed to give Nash a play or so, you could give Houston the ball. He'd, he'd grind him out, hit hard. If he didn't get a bunch of yards, he was going to hit you and you were going to feel him coming at you. Um, really opened um, – open the door a little bit for the passing game, which Coach Inselman talks about when we um, when we'll play that also shortly. But the time of possession was the second point that I circled. Uh, Patrick Henry controlled the ball for 32 minutes of this game. Uh, really just ate up a lot of clock. Um, when you get turnovers, obviously you get extra possessions, and they were able to utilize that very well. Landon Johnson also had five carries for 46 yards and a touchdown. He had five receptions and 85 yards as well. Lincoln Krieger with a really nice night, uh, seven catches for 74 yards. Nash Meyer, 19 of 25 through the air, 241 yards, one touchdown and one interception. Um, 
you know, just kind of uh, another solid game for Nash. Uh, always seems to be very, very efficient. Um, you know, you see 19 of 25 completion percentage uh, above the 70% mark, and, and that's what you want. Uh, good numbers there. Defensively, like we said, forced three turnovers. Kyle Stoller for the Raiders, nine carries for 37 yards and a touchdown. Tucker Antoine, 12 carries, 30 yards and a touchdown. So uh, 186 total yards of offense for Wayne Trace. So just just really, really struggled to get anything going against a stingy, stingy Patrick Henry defense. And um, you'll hear, you'll, excuse me, you'll hear Coach Inselman talk about his defense. Um, gave up a couple of bad penalties, still got stops. Uh, Wayne Trace with an excellent gutsy uh, fourth down fake punt inside their own 25-yard line in the third quarter. Wow. Um, then they got it. Uh, so gutsy there. Patrick Henry was still able to hold and, and force a punt. So um, just a, a, an overall good team win. You know, we talked with Coach George a little bit after the game too, Isaiah, and he told us, you know, we really couldn't have played any better for four quarters. Obviously uh, want to fix some things up there a little bit on offense mm -hmm. with the second half. But uh, And before we – tell you who Wayne Trace plays next week. Uh, we have some interviews from the victorious Patrick Henry Patriots. Yeah, we were lucky enough to uh, snag an interview um, with Houston Miranda and uh, Nash Meyer, so we'll go ahead and play that for you guys here. And we are here now with Nash Meyer and Houston Miranda of the victorious Patrick Henry Patriots uh, at home against Wayne Trace here, a 34-12 win. Houston, we'll start with you. Three touchdowns on the ground in the first half. Big momentum behind you, running very hard. Talk about how you were able to kind of dice down the defense a little bit and then really get some positive yards running the ball hard. Uh, it's just online making holes for me. I mean, they give me every opportunity, and I just see the holes and I go through them hard. That's all I got to do. Nash, talk about what Houston gives you as an offense. You know, last year, uh, sometimes teams kind of knew a little bit maybe when you were throwing the football. He adds a new dimension to your guys' offense. Talk about he how he opens up throwing lanes for you guys in the passing offense. It takes a little bit of weight off your shoulders. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he runs hard, the line blocks. I mean, with, with him running hard, it ha makes teams come in, and that gives us a lot of man demand for our receivers. we got great receivers, great line, great running back in Huey. Just all around great team effort tonight. Houston, was there a little bit of more amp in this game, knowing some of the stakes? Um, obviously a 12 nothing grind them out game against this team last year. Was there a little bit of chip on your guys' shoulder knowing what the history was at stake here tonight and knowing that you guys wanted to come out and make a statement? Oh, definitely. We were out here to set the tone early, just try to get on them big, and then they would shut down. We knew that would happen, just like it happened tonight. That was basically our game plan. Nash, talk a little bit about your defense. We talk about your offensive prowess. Talk about your defense tonight. You force two fumbles. You get an interception. Get you guys set up really nice in offensive field position. You get some big passing plays down the middle. Talk about how your defense really stepped up to offense tonight. Yeah, those guys, they were they were dogs tonight. I mean, we we were pushing it down their throat the first, first half, and then towards the second half, they kind of stopped us, and those guys just they kept that lead. I mean, Grant Smith, Grant Smith, he was in the backfield all night. I mean, that whole D-line, backers, secondary, they didn't get one single deep ball. I mean, we were just just a great team effort and defense, offense, all all facilities. Lastly, we'll leave you guys each with this. Talk about it. You get Coach Inselman, his 250th win. Um, obviously, we'll talk to him. But what does that mean to you personally and as your team uh, moving forward into this season, knowing, hey, 2-0, and you got eight left? Oh, it's a great it's a great piece of the, the season right here. And we knew before the game that he was close, and then we knew we had to get him it. And it was just exciting to be part of it, knowing that, all the history that's gone into it and all the players that have got him this point in his career is just amazing.
Nash, talk about the crowd, the atmosphere. Um, tell me what it means to you to get this here at home, Big Red Stadium. Uh, grass looks absolutely phenomenal here. Just talk about how special it is to you as a senior. Yeah, this field, this field's amazing. Grass is great. I mean, with everyone coming out every Friday night, it's like a big thing. Everyone comes out, just brings the energy. When we're down, they pick us up. It just, we love the fans. We love hearing them. We love hearing them just chant for us. It's it's great. Doesn't get better than this. Guys, congratulations, Nash Meyer, two and zero, Houston, two and zero. Congratulations, fellas. Thank you. And so that was a, uh, we were able to get those interviews from those players and Phil. They did class act. Yeah, and, and, you know, two kids that really helped lead the way. Uh, Houston had a great game defensively as well, ran hard, and um, Nash, the kind of the head man there, the captain of the squad there, if you will, offensively, uh, you know, just looked comfortable in the pocket all night, uh, wasn't it under, under any duress really, and just always found the right guy to, to throw the ball to. Um, so good stuff there from those guys. Um, we also have one more interview too with Coach Inselman. and. Yep. Um, this was uh, this was an interesting one. You know, he had probably talked to about 4,700 different media people uh, before we had gotten a chance to talk to him. And, you know, when he walked up to us, he was, you know, he just he took a deep breath and was just, you know, just kind of overwhelmed. And, he, and, he, yeah. and I think he just took a second to take it all in. And it was just it, it was it was kind of special to be a part of. And I'm glad we were able to to, to get this interview. So here is our, our interview with Coach Inselman uh, after the game. So. And we are here now with victorious head coach Bill Inselman of the Patrick Henry Patriots. Coach Inselman, um, congratulations first and foremost. Win number 250. Um, just take a few minutes and just tell, tell us how much that means to you to do it here at home uh, in front of your family, your grandkids, and just, just, talk, just talk about how special this really is and how special of a place this is. Well, you know, it's, it's awesome that happened here at Patrick Henry, my alma mater, and to have them all right here. I don't think that's happened very often. As you know as well as I do, a lot of coaches jump around from school to school and place to place. So it, it's neat to do it here at home, but in one school. That being said, it's only possible because of the great players I have had the opportunity to coach in 31 years, the assistant coaches, some who I've had who've uh, uh, gone on, my obviously my staff now. I love my staff. So I've, I've said this several times, and people are probably going to be tired of hearing it, I view myself as being a CEO of an organization. And yes, I've made some good decisions and I've made bad decisions, but the CEO is nothing without his workers, and that's the players, and it's nothing without his supervisors and managers helping control those workers, and that's my assistant coaches. So kudos to everybody. Uh, it, it, it's a part of everyone at Patrick Henry I've been associated with. Yeah, it really uh, brings and takes, it takes a village to a whole new meaning. There's so much involved. and. Um, obviously, we know you don't like to talk too much about yourself, so let's talk about your team. I don't know if you could have put together a better four quarters, maybe a little bit of struggle in the second half that you wouldn't have liked, but um, defensively, just turnovers, offensively capitalized on every chance you guys had. Just talk about the performance of your team tonight and how well they played against a very good Wayne Trace football team. Okay, I'll talk about the good first. I thought our offense first half was pretty good. Our passing game was sharp. Nash Meyer is playing the best football he's played, made great passes and great reads. We had some excellent catches. Pass protection was good. So 34 points against a Wayne Trace team that is very aggressive and very physical. Here's what I like about the second half, our defense. Our defense kept us in that game. I know they drove down the first drive, but if you remember, we then held them. Then they did a fake punt, got it back. We held them. So I liked our defensive effort second half, and we're going to build on that. 
I liked our offensive half effort the first half. What I did not like was we were having too many breakdowns on the offensive line, um, and we got to watch film. And the nice thing is you got to find out what that was, and you correct it, and then you get better. But you're, we're 2-0. and It's a lot funner to watch film when you're 2-0 and than 0-2. Absolutely. We'll just leave you with this. Uh, obviously, look a little bit ahead. Don't want to look too much ahead, but a little bit ahead to next week. You have some history with Columbus Grove there. You guys have had some very, very historical battles here and there in the in the regular season. Talk about some of the things that your Patriot team is going to have to do to walk away 3-0 next Friday night here at home. Andy Schaefer in Columbus Grove is a tremendous program, 100%. Columbus Grove kids are like Liberty kids. They're tough. They live football in that community. They play the 4-3 as good, if not better, than anyone. Um, they don't have the horses they've had the last three years, but they've been a regional final, final four team for three years. You know what you're going to get. Physical, extremely well-coached kids that are tough kids. We're, we got to bounce back, have another good effort, and if we think that we're the good team we are, we just got to come back another week, develop that running game. And what I really liked tonight was that the 11 personnel tight end offense, we want to run the ball first. But if you load the box up, we'll throw it. And then uh, we have that capability of being flexible offensively. So. We just got to shore up, especially our running game from this week, I think, and not get complacent and keep the passing game going. Yeah, I think you make a great point. I thought Houston did a really nice job opening up some passing lanes for Nash tonight. So great stuff, Coach. Thank you so much for taking some time with us, and congratulations once again on win number 250. Um, it was awesome to be a part of and witness. Congratulations. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I appreciate you doing this. And that was head coach. Bill Inselman on his 250th career win, which was an awesome moment to see there, Phil. So, so, but yeah, uh, we look forward to uh, seeing what the Patriots can do with the rest of the year. And Wayne Trains, they just gotta come bouncing back next week, and they get to go play. They get to host the one-on-one, one-on-one Crestview. And Crestview's coming off of a very tough, big loss to Macomb, a very good Macomb football team, but. Crusty's going to be coming in hungry, ready to bounce back. Absolutely. And now we head on over to the NLL. We have the AEW Generals hosting St. John's Jesuit. And, Phil, turnovers played a huge role in this game for Jesuit here, and that and that really sealed their fate against this general, this, uh, this general football team. You know, uh, Anthony Wayne was able to come back uh, in, in a very strong performance this game, much like I predicted. Uh, they were able to find some things that were working very well in the second half against the Derby team last week, able to carry in some of that off offensive momentum into this week uh, and put on a nice showing against St. John, who starts the year 0-2. Yep, so, and AW gets to, will be starting their league home opener against the Bowling Green Bobcats, who comes off a 2-0, and who's going to be coming into this game 2-0. and we had the Finley Trojans playing at Lima Senior, winning 43 nothing shutout, Phil, and I think we saw that one coming. Yeah, I kind of figured that uh, Finley was going to be able to bounce back and, and play a better game. You know, uh, Montgomery did have an early interception, but was able to come back and have a pretty big game. Uh, just Finley too physical, uh, too big up front for Lima Senior, and uh, kind of the way I thought this game would, would go, Cade. Same. So and the, so Finley will be opening their league play against the undefeated Sylvania Southview. Ooh. Now we have head on over to Sylvania Northview playing hosting the Clay Eagles, losing 42-35. Phil, that was a very close game. It was closer than what I thought. Um, you know, Mason Heinchel and company for Clay. I thought they would be able to 
to put up a lot of points. I didn't think Northview was going to be able to score that many. So um, Clay definitely going to have to find some pieces on defense there to uh, to slow some off to slow some opposing offenses down. But uh, a nice win for Clay, two and zero in the new in the new NLL, and uh, you know a, a good a good way to start their year. Um, let me actually think that that Clay next week plays Whitmer that's what I thought so a a big test for Clay uh, coming next week Uh, Whitmer a team that's 0-2 and is hungry to find that first win so uh, definitely a test for Clay uh, if if you're uh, trying to find out where you're going to be at yep and so Sylvania Northview will be playing against the Napoleon will be hosting the Napoleon Wildcats and Clay will be playing against the 0-2 Whitmer Panthers and Phil if I were Clay right now I wouldn't want to be playing them right now. Uh, I agree, but, uh, you know, if I'm Clay, I'm also feeling pretty confident. You know, we're playing well offensively, and, uh, you know, if you're able to get some big plays against Whitmer, I think that's where you can kind of hurt them. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to sustain, you know, rushing offensive drives or anything like that against a stout D-line, but uh, if you're able to get some big plays over the top, which Mainton Heinzel can provide for you, uh, it, it could be a pretty solid – it could be a pretty good game, Isaiah. I, you know, I do expect Whitmer to probably run – uh to pull away at the end with some of their physicality. But I think Clay's going to give them a pretty good game with how well that they, they roll on offense. I agree with that. I think it's a coin toss game, honestly. With Clay's got good receivers. Whitmer's got a really good quarterback. So it's good 50-50 for me on this one. Yeah, they're, I've seen their quarterback. He's really got cross, uh, throwing across his body. I've seen, I've seen a few videos of him being able to pull that off in the games. You know, my question is, too, is where is Whitmer at um, mentally right now? Uh, you yeah. know, a team that really thought that they would have some special things going starts the year 0-2. I don't, you know, I don't think that they saw that despite the schedule, uh, knowing that they played some pretty tough opponents. But, um, you know, I think Whitmer was, was expecting to be good, had some high expectations. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that they're going to be coming out hard to play, too. So we'll just have to see where their mentality is at coming into this game and if they overlook Clay, mm-hmm. watch out. Clay could definitely upset them. Absolutely. And so we have the Perrysburg Yellow Jackets traveling over to Marysville. And, Phil, this came on to a game, I believe a uh, three-point yep, a three point game. Don't know if it's a game winner, but came up 17-14 Yellow Jackets. You know, I predicted this game, actually. Unfortunately, our uh, game day episode didn't air, but uh, I did write down 17-14 right here on this paper. Perrysburg over Marysville. It was a field goal late in the fourth quarter that propelled um, the Perrysburg Jackets to the win, winning 14-7 to majority of the first half. Um, third quarter, uh, Marysville was able to punch one in late in the third quarter. Uh, got Perrysburg on their heels a little bit, but credit, credit Perrysburg settled down, did what they had to do uh, to be able to, uh, to win this game and made just enough plays. Um, 26-yard field goal in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, not a lot of offense in this game. Perrysburg with 12 first downs. Marysville with 10 first downs. Um, Marysville with 39 carries for 136 yards. Um, Matt Krutowski had 12 carries for 55 yards and a touchdown. Um, Perrysburg had 28 carries for 167 yards. Um, Perrysburg 3 of 15 on third down, guys. So tough night there uh, off- offensively on third down. Nick Oros, 12 carries for 109 yards and a touchdown. Um, Josh Tackett's quarterback for Perrysburg, 9 of 19 through the air uh, for 84 yards and one touchdown. So uh, offense was slim pickings. It was definitely a game of defense. Perrysburg just able to make just enough plays to be able to win the ball game. Yeah, so I, like I said, I 
expected this going to be a really close game, and it was. And Phil, also that means we have back-to-back weeks we correctly uh, predicted a score. Yeah, I mean that's two for so, two there on that. Yep, so uh, Kate, all so, one person has to predict it, and it counts. Yep, so, <laughs> got to catch up. Yeah, come on, Kate. Might, be, la- might be this week. You're lacking, man. You're lacking. All right, and so Peberg will get to open their league opener. Oh, and traveling over to Fremont Ross, Ooh. playing against the 101 Little Giants. Perrysburg by a lot. So now we head on over to Springfield, uh, playing against Rogers, uh, 30 to 20. And Phil, uh, um, Springfield opened the game of uh, guns blazing, and uh, uh, Rogers climbed back in, and then uh, Springfield came climbing back in. So it was a battle back and forth throughout the night. Yeah, I think either team could have really won this game, a 30 to 20 victory for. Springfield, congratulations to Charles Smith on his first win at Springfield. Um, you know, just uh, a grind them out game. Uh, you know, I think Rodgers kind of snuck up on Springfield a little bit in the second half. I think Springfield maybe thought that they had the game wrapped up in the first half. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe took a little bit of the uh, uh, of the foot off the gas. Guess. And, uh, you know, Rodgers was able to kind of put together a little comeback there. But Springfield was able to shut the door late in the fourth quarter with a late score to kind of put that game out of reach. Yep, and so Springfield will be playing their last off-league game of, this, of their of their schedule. Playing will be hosting Start, who is 0-2. And so we head on to that our – It could be a Thursday game potentially as well next week. Okay. Well, I don't know for sure, but it's it could potentially be because those City League teams, I know most of, yeah, they play most of those games play are played on Thursdays. So yeah. that could potentially we'll, – we'll get that for you for sure. But. Yep. And so we had our last game of the Buckeye Division, our game of the week, the Whitmer Panthers hosting the Division II state champions, the Central Catholic Fighting Irish. Uh, Central Catholic running away with this one, and I, I think we were both expecting this one a little bit, but I think we were expecting a little bit more of a fight from Whitmer's side. Yeah, I had 35-31, so I did predict the Central Catholic score right. Um, just no offense for Whitmer. Central Catholic's D-line, big, aggressive. Um, good win for Central Catholic. <clears throat> Whitmer. Uh, gonna have to try to bounce back next week against Clay, guys. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yep. And so, yep. Like I said, like we said earlier, Whitmer would be traveling over to Clay for, um, for their league opener. Now we head on over to the Cardinal Division. The Bowling Green Bobcats traveling over to Fostoria, winning fifty-one twenty-eight. Phil, this wasn't close again. This, uh, <clears throat> as I was doing my stat wrap up last night and this morning, this was my favorite game to write write stuff down with. I told you guys I was gonna bully your minds with some of these stats. Um, Bowling Green ran 66 offensive plays for 496 total yards. Wow. Wow. Um, They ran the ball 65 times for 495 yards. Hold on. on. Are are you making sure you weren't playing video games, right? So, Jamison Hurst, the quarterback for BG, was one for one for four yards. (laughs) Run people leading the over. way, <laughs> leading the way for BG. Peyton Harris, twenty-two carries, one hundred and twenty-one yards and two scores. Reese Rath, thirteen carries, one hundred and twenty yards and two scores. Just, uh, just, just Shannon, eleven carries, one hundred and three yards and a touchdown. And Jackson Schaefer, nine carries for one hundred and one yards and two touchdowns. Count them one. Two, three, four running backs for Bowling Green with over 100 yards on the ground, fellas. That is total domination from an offensive line standpoint. And I'm going to repeat this 65 of 66 offensive plays 
were running plays for 495 yards on the ground. Are we talking about BG or are we talking about Navy, guys? I don't know. <laughs> um, no, just a joke. Wow. But uh, that was unbelievable writing that down. I, I reread that. I loaded the page. I exited the page, reloaded it again just to make sure I wasn't seeing things. That is unbelievable to me. I don't care what who you're playing. I don't care about that. That was a remarkable stat, stuff to write down there. I thought that was pretty incredible. Um, four running backs with over 100 yards, um, both of them with – are all four of them with over like a, you know, six-yard uh, per carry average. So just – a uh, wow. tremendous job by the BG offensive line and a big win over Fostoria. And, you know, wow. uh, we talked about how this division was kind of up for grabs and really any team I thought could possibly have a chance to go get this. And BG's schedule kind of makes me go, huh, BG might run away with this league. Uh, you know, a tough game against Anthony Wayne and then Clay – uh, but play Springfield, Northview, Woodward, Napoleon, Fremont, Ross, and Southview. Guys, I'm telling you, if you have a great running game when it gets cold, uh, especially in these later games at home against Napoleon, <clears throat> on the road against Fremont, Ross, watch out for the BG Bobcats, boys. Absolutely. Go ahead. It's a big running game, but you're sharing a love there with four different running backs getting over 100 yards. That's nuts. Do you have time in possession by chance? Um. I'll find it. He'll find it. He's got the stats. Well, he run it 65 <laughs> times. That's, like you got to be why. using a lot of time. There's tongue. a reason why he's called the stats guy for a reason because he's got the stats. <clears throat> but if you want to go, if you want to go to the next, I'll find yeah. It so you. um, and so BG will get to host, not host, uh, get to open their league play and travel over to the one-on-one Anthony Wayne mm-hmm. Generals. So that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a, an interesting game to listen to or watch. Uh, we have the Fremont Ross Little Giants traveling over to the Sandusky Blue Streaks. Twenty-one fifteen. Phil, I don't know what the what in the world was going on. Uh, which you said Fremont Ross Sandusky. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, this was just a. I mean, it was a battle. It was just a straight up. You know, Tory talked about this game as kind of like a backdoor rivalry. These guys do not like each other, and you saw that with a score twenty-one fifteen. It was a grind amount physical game uh, that could be a, a two-point conversion touchdown extra point. Um, that game probably was pretty fun to be at. And just an, an, like we said, a backdoor rivalry. I thought Sandusky was going to be able to win this game just with their running ability. But uh, give the Little Giants a lot of credit. Their defense stood stout when it needed to, and it was able to come up with some big stops to be able to win this game. That's a huge first huge. win. Huge first win for the Little Giants who, who have a tough game next week. Yeah. So, and Fremont Ross gets to host the Perrysburg Yellow Jackets. Ooh. So that's gonna be that's gonna be an interesting game too, the first taste of an original uh, of the NLL. I don't member. I don't I'll, I'll see if I can find the actual time of possession. But they had a drive of seven minutes and twenty six seconds. They had a drive of eleven minutes and fifty four seconds. They had a drive of eleven minutes and fifty five seconds, and a drive of eight minutes forty nine seconds and a drive of seven minutes and 35 seconds. It's like wow. the so they had five drives of over seven minutes, and they had one that was 6.55. Wow. That's amazing right there. So we head on over to Sylvania Southview, traveling over to Waite, winning 51-14. And, Phil, we were expecting that one to be bad. Yeah, I kind of thought Southview's uh, offense was going to be able to come away with this, so a, a good win there. 
um, for Southview, who uh, starts the season two and zero, guys. And you know, we talked about them being able to, you know, be better this year, uh, be a little bit more of a force to reckon with, and they're making a case for it, fellas. Big fan of Southview, always have been. I think they're going to be dangerous when it comes to seeing the. Seven and a half yards per play. Wow. Seven and a half yards per play. For BG. For running plays, seven and a half yards per play. Gosh, I love that football. (laughs) Wow. Dang. So, and though, so Sylvania Southview will be opening their home, their league opener at home with the Finley Trojans. Hmm. That's going to be a good one next should be week. A, should be a good battle, fellas. All right. So, we head on over to the WBL. Lima Bath. Traveling over to Van Wert Cougar Nation. And, uh, Phil, let's be honest here. We were kind of wondering, is Lima Bath going to pull up the upset uh, at halftime? But, um, Van Wert running, running away with this in the second half, 64-42. Yeah, um... I think uh, I think the opening the turf and all that was uh, you know a big thing for Van Wert. So maybe went in with a little bit unfocused with a little bit of that going on. Yep. I think they definitely had a slow start. Mm-hmm. So I'll give a little bit of credit to the new stadium. We saw the emotions that can happen with that a couple of years ago against Liberty. You know, Hot Seagull came in and just you know spanked us and really took it to us. So um, Van Wert. Uh, this was an interesting game. You know, this is what hurt them the most. I circled 13 penalties for Van Wert. Uh, just, you know, that's that's tough, man, especially when you're trying to drive uh, and you get some big penalties that negate those yards. Um, Van Wert ran 68 plays for 614 yards, and Lima Bath ran 77 plays for 545 yards, which is 1,100 and 59 yards of total offense between the two teams. So uh, a lot of fireworks there. Um, for Van Wert, I, I can't say enough about this kid. Um, Brylan Parker, 16 of 21, the efficiency there, 366 yards and four touchdowns, guys. Um, and if you thought that was an impressive stat, then his rushing statistics are 24 carries for 215 yards and another five scores uh, to give him nine touchdowns uh, on the day. So, just an absolutely phenomenal effort. Connor Campbell, 10 receptions, uh, 166 yards and two touchdowns. Had a really nice catch in the back of the end zone on a on a kind of a, a weird play. You know, Brylan kind of tossed it up there to him. A floater uh, caught it over his hands like this, and two bath defenders kind of flew over there and got both feet in. It would have been good on Sunday. So uh, just a really nice play there um, from the Campbell kid. So, um, and then Aaron Reichert, uh, 11 tackles, and Gage Steeman with 12 tackles to lead the way defensively for the uh, the Cougars. Yeah, uh, Kate and I were talking about this uh, out in the parking lot and all that. I said, Brylin wants this belt. He really wants it. And, well, given that performance, my man, you're doing a fantastic job at it so far. So, uh, so the Cougars will be going – we hosting Salina, the one and one Salina Bulldogs, and Lima Bath gets the host Shani uh, for that week uh, for this coming Friday. So speaking of Salina, Salina hosting St. Mary's Memorial, winning 37-15. Phil, I was not expecting that score. Yeah, this one shocked me a little bit. I thought St. Mary's was going to come back and and ready to play after a tough loss last week. And, uh, you know, just really were not able to get anything going, only scoring 15 points. Uh, Salina, a team that got 
you know, them their offense just never found it last week against a really tough Versailles defense. Uh, Salina, good job riding, riding the ship a little bit there. This is a really, really big win for Salina, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, a team where St. Mary's thinks they could be in the top three or four in the league, and Salina comes in and uh, handles business at home, guys. Big win for Salina, especially considering who they have up next. I think Tori got one up on us. Wasn't he the yes, he was the Salina? only one that picked yeah, Salina. Yeah, he was the only he one that picked uh, Salina. Tori. Dang, Tori. Classic Tori Strzok. Yeah. Yep, he, he, hey, school, taking us all to school still. He is, <laughs> honestly, he still is. So, like I said, uh, Salina will be uh, playing – wait, yeah, Salina will be playing against the Cougars. And uh, St. Mary's Memorial will be playing again – will be hosting the 2-0 Defiance Bulldogs. Ooh. And speaking of Defiance Bulldogs, coming off an amazing win, winning 16-13 over the defending WBL champs, Phil. And I'm telling you, Defiance, in my personal opinion, is two games away of having this league title all theirs. You know, I can't – you can't say that, though. Uh, I don't I don't care – I don't care who you beat earlier in the year. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter who you, where you start. Uh, you, we've seen, we've seen it already, guys, in the WBL. You, you if you take a week off, you're you're gonna get beat, guys. Yeah. So, no league is secure after week four, in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, I think for them to get a very good stranglehold on this top spot, yes, absolutely. But this league is so stinking talented and tough. Um, that anybody could come in and beat you on any given night. And I think Wapa overlooked Defiance, guys. I'm going to be very honest with you. I think Wapa Kinetta came into this game thinking we're going to push Defiance around, and Defiance bullied them in the first half, guys. Mm-hmm. Bullied them. Um, defensively, I don't know if there's a much better squad in the area than Defiance. I, I, you know, Liberty Center, great defense. Archibald, great defense. Defiance, guys, has to be right up there. Um this was the only stat that I had. Uh, Stephen Brogan, or excuse me, Brogan Castillo had 25 carries for 163 yards, um, and just another workhorse type of game for him. In a game where they probably needed all those yards, guys. You know, Cade, we saw it at the scrimmage. Defiance defense really flies to yep. the ball well. Wapaw has some size, and the Rodenberger kid just seems like he's hitting on all cylinders right yeah. now uh, for Defiance defensively. They're a pack of hungry bulldogs just waiting to tackle the ball carrier. Well, let me ask you a question, Phil. Since the schedule rotated, would you still say Defiance might win this game if they're playing Walpock Week 10 instead of Week 2? Because sometimes that could be an advantage. You get a team early. You know, I love this question because me and Isaiah talked about this a couple weeks ago about how Coach Cooper, we thought, made a a fantastic point when we interviewed him that he thought it was – very good for them to see Wapaw early, to see Van were early to where they were trying to figure out some new things and stuff. So, you know, there's a reason that Coach Cooper's in the biz, and he obviously showed what he knew explaining to us, like, hey, we want to see these guys early. Maybe you're down the season there. Wapaw has some different tricks up their sleeves that they didn't have in week two, um, especially on the road in a tough environment. I'm telling you right now, Defiance had had a different vibe feel to it. I worked there last Friday, and it felt eerie. That team was ready to play, guys. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, uh, Defiance will be hosting, will be traveling over to St. Mary's, and Walpaw will be traveling over to the Ottawa Glandorf Titans, which is, we'll get to them very shortly. And That's you look at that, and you're like, man, St. Mary's is 0-2. You know, this is a game we should feel like we should win, and it's just like, you know, you're talking about, man, I wouldn't want to play Whitmer at 0-2. Would you want to play St. Mary's, who's 0-2 right now, and probably so. a little bit upset? I really so this could be an this could be more of an interesting game than some people might think. And you know, I think uh, Defiance, 
playing with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, I think will be the favorite here. But two big wins. But uh, you know they're they're riding some some serious momentum, guys. Is that St. Mary's, right? Yes. 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 Ooh, that's a hostile environment to play at. Tough. You got a long go bus road. ride. Yeah, it's a long, long bus ride. So now we have the Elida Bulldogs traveling over to Shawnee. Shawnee. And Elida winning in a absolute battle, thirteen to nine. Yeah, this was interesting. I thought it was going to be a little bit more high scoring. Credit Shawnee's defense did a nice job against Elida, uh, but at the end of the day, Elida starts the year two and zero, kind of a little bit like they did last year, starting off on good terms. Yep. And so Elida will be traveling over to will be hosting Kenton. So that's gonna be a fun. That's gonna be a could be because Kenton's be Kenton's feeling good about themselves right now, guys. And speaking of Kenton, they hosted the Ottawa Glendorf Titans, winning 52-29. Phil, I thought that what? was a typo. So um, this is interesting, guys. Um, OG got a got a touchdown to start the fourth quarter, and it was leading 29 to 20 with 11-14 to go in the ball game. Kenton had 28 unanswered points in the fourth quarter alone. Um, got a pick six, uh, a turnover, which led to a quick touchdown. And again, we talk about it, guys, how quickly wow. morale can come into play here. This game was 29-20 to 20 to start the fourth quarter. And that's uh, that just tells you everything you need to know about how quickly a game can turn uh, with momentum. Uh, let's take a look at a couple of stats I had here. Um, Isaiah for OG. Peyton Coleman had, was 19 of 29 for a 168 yards and three touchdowns. Um, so he had a really another really nice game continuing where he left off of from week one. Uh, Grant Schrader had five catches for 52 yards. And Vinny Brinkman, uh, the running back, had 18 carries for 84 yards and a touchdown. Um, didn't get the names of these players for Kenton, but uh, the quarterback was 21 of 34 for 352 yards and three scores. So a really nice, efficient game from the quarterback there. And then uh, they only had 56 yards rushing. So did a lot of their damage through the air, moved the ball well. And like I said, they did have like a 60, 70 yard uh, um, interception return for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. You know, when the OGs trying to move the ball to come back, uh, kind of put the nail in the coffin there at the end of the ball game. Very kind of similar to the Defiance and Napoleon, just how fast the wheels really fell off for Napoleon, how fast the wheels really fell off for OG. Like, you're up, you're feeling really good, and then momentum just goes right towards Kenton. They got some nice athletes on the outside, so. Yeah, old, they like to say old Mo doesn't like to stay in the same spot at times. And correct me if I'm wrong, Kenton was 1-9 last year, 2-8 and eight last year. I think they, fi- I they think, were 1-9, I, I think believe. they were 1-9, yeah. Yep. Um, Shawnee was the only – I think Shawnee went 0-10. I think Shawnee went – Well, Bath went 0-10, so Shawnee had to have beat Bath. Yeah, so two teams went 1-9? I'm not sure. sure. I'll have to double-check on that. But, um, you know, this is – I just think Kenton has to be feeling good about themselves. They battled really, really hard against Coldwater last week, gave Coldwater everything they wanted. You come back, you win against OG, who we think is, you know, going to be a better team this year. So um, OG struggling, starting off the year 0-2. Kenton gets a big win to go back to 1-1. So a huge win for Kenton, in my opinion, Isaiah. Okay, so Shawnee – yep, absolutely. So Shawnee went 4-6 last year. Kenton went 1-9. 1-9, okay. And Bath went 0-10. Okay. And OG went 2-8. So we head on over to the NWAL. First, uh, the Archeral Blue Streaks hosting St. Henry, winning 29 nothing. And I feel, I believe you said it's statistic. I think, on a stat or something like that, uh, St. 
St. Henry has not scored a point against the Blue Streaks in two seasons. I don't. I, I you know, I have to double check the score from last year. That that score might, might have been twenty-seven to seven last year. But I got you. give me a check. Um, uh, well, while you check that out, we'll give you a little bit of stats I had. You know, I think the biggest 34 one, um, 34 to 10. 34 so, 10, 10 points in two seasons. Um, Archibald, uh, <clears throat> St. Henry was 2 of 11 on third down for 18%, guys. Um, they also had 21 carries for 28 yards. Charlie Whirling through the air was 8 of 28 for um, 70 yards. 98 total yards of offense for St. Henry, wow. guys. Um, a stingy Archibald defense. Um, Archibald with 32 carries for 119 yards. So it's really struggled on the ground, especially when you hear Jack Hurst had six carries for 100 yards uh, and he had a 68-yard touchdown run. So um, just really struggled to move the ball efficiently uh, but did enough uh, to be able to win the game. Lucas Dominic had 10 carries for 42 yards. Cade Brenner 14 to 20 through the air, 125 yards, one touchdown and an interception, uh, giving – <clears throat> the Archibald Blue Streaks, 259 yards of total offense. So, um, you know, Archibald doing what they needed to do. Two quality, quality wins to start the year, guys, mm -hmm. and a very, very stingy defense to start the year as well, giving up only those seven points to our 14 last week to Genoa. So, um, Archibald playing well, playing confident. Mm -hmm. uh, tough, tough opponent next week coming off of a good win in Tenora. Yep. And then uh, the absolute showdown in week four. So. Yep. So, like, like Phil said and we mentioned earlier, the Archibald Blue Streaks will be traveling over to Ram Country for their last off-league game. Now we head on over to uh, the Bryan Golden Bears, or known as Da Bears, uh, <laughs> traveling over to Mommy, winning 42-35. Phil, uh, like you said earlier, Mommy gave everything they had. You know, Maumee has some really good athletes. They they run a pretty solid spread offense, um, and then they just get their athletes in space and try to let them break tackles. And um, Brian struggled to make tackles in the open field, guys, and I think that's where Maumee kind of took advantage. Uh, I did see a play there that um, one of the uh, Maumee uh, players, um, the quarterback threw the ball to a receiver, and the Brian DB both hands on it went right through his hand and into a mommy guy's arm for a touchdown. So uh, maybe a couple of plays that Brian could have had that they didn't make. Uh, but nevertheless, you know, feeling good, Brian coming, get that win, um, you know, going into next week. And then um, if you're mommy, you like what you're seeing, you're scoring some points, you're, you're competing in these games. And, and I think that's what you want to see if you're mommy. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with mommy moving forward. But uh Brian gets a big win that they needed, and, and they're going to need it because they play a tough game next week. Yes, they do. And so the Golden Bears get to travel all over to, what do you call it? The, the reservation. reservation. The reservation over at over at the 0-2 Fairview Apaches, which I think that might be actually an interesting game. Fairview's we'll growing. I think it's going to be a good one. Brian's hit or miss at times, so mm. we'll see what, what Brian team shows up there. Yep. Now we uh, go over to the Evergreen Vikings hosting the Ottawa Hill Green Bears. And losing forty to seven in an absolute blowout, Phil. Um, yeah, unfortunately for Evergreen, uh, you know, Hunter Vakulik went down in the first quarter, um, and just really never never found any offense after that. Um, it was tied at seven at the end of the first quarter. And then uh, Ottawa Hills was able to pull away. Um Evergreen with only eight first downs, uh, only sixteen carries for sixty yards. Bryce Bulger. <laughs> The quarterback was 9 of 21 
um, for 111 yards, a touchdown, and interception. And then on defense, J.J. Johnson led the way with nine and a half tackles. Uh, tough loss for Evergreen. Hopefully the Vecula kid's okay and uh, he's able to bounce back and get on the field because uh, that would have been an interesting game with Evergreen yep. being fully healthy. I was there and it just it was like you could just feel everyone at Evergreen holding their breath. I thought Hunter was going to be okay. And then by the second quarter, they had him out on crutches, took his shoes off. So I'm like, well – we're going to see what happens from there. And after that point, Otto Hills just took over. Uh, have you guys ever seen Rocco Perielli play before? Oh, my gosh. He is so shifty. I did not realize how small he was. He can't be any taller than 5'3", but he runs. Really? He runs like he's six foot. It's crazy. He's just a heck of an athlete. All right. So, we head on over. Oh, and also, uh, like we said earlier, Evergreen will be traveling over to the one-on-one Rossford Bulldogs. Then we head over to the Swanton Bulldogs hosting already, the Hicks. Already went over it. Oh, yeah, yep. Thank you. Thank you for stopping me right there. I totally forgot about that. My bad. I'm fired for the fifth straight time this week. Uh, the Wauseon Indians traveling over to Bellevue, losing 26-3, Phil. You know, I thought Wauseon would be able to score some points. This score surprised me. I did pick Wauseon to win. I, I wouldn't have been shocked if Bellevue won. This is a, this is a game that – uh, over the course of this history has been pretty good physical grind them out type games. Um, obviously, other than the one game in the playoffs where Connor Penrod had four touchdowns and like 300 yards receiving, it was absolutely ridiculous. That's who that um, was. He, they just could, they could not, they couldn't cover him. It was unreal. I mean, Wasion threw it up anytime they wanted. Uh, like I said, he probably, I, I would venture to guess he probably had close to 300 yards receiving and five touchdowns. So, um, that was the one game I remember that was really a blowout. But other than that, Bellevue prides themselves on their physicality and, and how well they play in between the trenches. And I think that kind of stuck out a little bit, which is why you saw the score they did. Uh, Wasion, depth has been a concern for them over the past couple years. Bellevue always finds a way to have a pretty big roster, so I wonder if that also played a little bit of a factor. Um, big win for Bellevue, started out the year 0-1. Big win to be able to bounce back. And, you know, Wasion has their hands full next week, guys, and an Eastwood team that – has has developed the spread offense, you know, a team that, you know, under Coach Rutherford over the last, uh, you know, 48, 49 years, whatever it's been, um, has had a Rutherford on the sideline running that, that same style offense. You switch over, you get your athletes out on the outside, something that Eastwood always has, a bunch of speedy guys, um, athletic kids. They're starting to utilize some of those athletes, which is why you're starting to see, I think, people don't know how to play defense against them. Last year, you could kind of stack the box a little bit to stop the boost kid. You knew he was going to get his touches. This year, they're spreading the wealth around, kind of like what Liberty Center does. You just don't know who's going to get the ball, uh, kind of like this BG offense, just spread it around. You don't know who to attack, so... Um, this is a different dynamic you're seeing with this Eastwood team. So um, Eastwood and Wasion very similar in offensive style. So this, this I think, could be a pretty interesting game. Phil, game I got calls. a question. Do you have Wasion's rushing stats by chance? For this game? Yeah, for Bellevue game. No, um, no. I, I I need to get in contact with Coach Moore to see if I can get some of his stuff. We haven't been able to get in contact with the stats or Wasion. But, um, you know, they uh, they do they do have a more of a throwing style offense. Yes. It's um, you know, it's just, you know, and actually, you know, the, the paper that I read even said that there hadn't been stats reported before that time yet. Wow. So um, hopefully we'll have all those, though. Uh, but, you know, Wasion is a team that likes to, th to throw the football. And I think that's where they're going to run into some trouble, guys, that they can establish some kind of rushing game. Uh, they are going to have a tough time beating some opponents, especially Isaiah and Debiola teams that are really physical. Absolutely. And so, like you said, uh, the Wasion Indians will be traveling over to Eastwood 
for their last week three off-season, I mean, off-season, um, off-league schedule. And now we head on over to the last game of our coverage. Uh, the Liberty Center Tigers traveling over to Napoleon. An absolute domination, Phil. And uh, Liberty ran away with this one. Yeah, you know, and this is all credit. Um, I think, well, not all credit, but I think main credit start goes to the kickoff coverage team mm-hmm. um, and the uh, punt return team. You know, four different times uh, Liberty Center started inside the 45-yard line of Napoleon. And, uh, you know, when you're giving up average field position inside your own territory, it's it's going to be tough to stop some teams. Um, I thought Landon Amstutz came in and provided a nice spark for Liberty, uh, was able to throw that pass to Zach Weaver in the corner, just a really nice ball. Uh, Weaver was able to make a good catch and get into the end zone, and I think that really set the tone for the Tigers to start the game, Isaiah. Um, they they were more physical from the start. Uh, I I think really in the halfway through the first quarter you could kind of see some hands on the hips for Napoleon, uh, maybe a little bit tired already. So uh, you know the physicality of Liberty Center really showed up in a big way. Landon Amstutz five of eight through the air, fifty seven yards and a touchdown. Uh, Colton Cruz, um, who's going to get a Player of the Week belt belt mention for me, um, eight carries, 110 yards and two touchdowns. That's 13.75 yards per carry. Um, just tough to bring down in the open field. Uh, he's so shifty, he almost fell on a play, still broke the tackle after he almost fell and found a way to get into the end zone. He's just a special kid. Uh, not only that, but he plays really well defensively from his linebacker spot. He can cover guys on the receiving end. He's just a special talent. Uh, Trenton Cruz, eight carries, 51 yards. He also had two touchdowns, 6.3 yards per carry. Uh, Colton Chambers, three carries for 46 yards and a touchdown, and he averaged 15 yards per carry. So um, 14 different ball carriers for the Tigers got got totes last weekend. Um, You know, Braxton Light, I believe, had a long touchdown run. He's a sophomore. Um, uh, Thomas Moeller got eight, nine carries for 40 yards. He's a sophomore, very talented. Um, His vision is what gets me, Isaiah. His cuts are quick. And he gets low on his cuts, which mm-hmm. makes him faster out of them. And he protects the football really well when he does that. So mm-hmm. uh, not to mention Xander Zyder got some quality runs. He averaged about nine yards a carry as well. Just tough to bring down. Um, you know, Napoleon had a nice punt, pinned us down inside the one-yard line. Two Zyder runs later, and we're at the 26-yard line. So, it, you know, it's just nice when you have somebody that you know is going to fall forward and gets you yards. And when you have six different guys that do that, it's just it's just nice to have, and Coach Moeller, I think, utilizes all those guys really well. I mean, let's be realistic, Colton or Trenton probably could have had, you know, 15, 20 carries apiece. Uh, does a nice job of not getting those guys banged up, and, and they run hard because of it. So um, Trenton Cruz led the way defensively with seven tackles, and Steven Brogan had thir- uh, three tackles. For Napoleon, 14 rushes for 14 yards, 81 yards, 81 yards of total offense. Jacob Aguilar, 12 tackles defensively for Napoleon. Uh, Napoleon only had four first downs in the game. So uh, just uh, tough sledding offensively for Napoleon, who just really couldn't really get anything going. But but nice game defensively for Jacob Aguilar, who had 12 tackles uh, on the night for the, for the Wildcats. Yep, and so the Tigers will get to ho- finally have their home opener, and it's going to be against the 0-2 Otsego Knights. And, Phil, I think it's going – that game's going to be physical. You know, it's going to be physical, but Isaiah Otsego is going to have to try to find some things and and do some things differently to try to stop the run. Uh, BG ran it all over them. Uh, Tenora, you know, started with the run. That opened up some of the passing lanes. So um, Liberty Center can run it. They can throw it. They're going to throw shotgun at you. They're going to run from the shotgun. Uh, Our guys get downhill with their blocks. So if Otsego does not have their feet 
dug in the dirt. Um, it could be a long night for Otsego, but um, 0-2, you know, you could be playing with a chip on your shoulders as well. So uh, Liberty Center better be coming into the game, uh, no mistakes, playing confident. And I think if they're able to do that, they'll be able to come away with the win. Absolutely. And so a few games that we like to keep our eyes on going into this week, uh, Patrick Henry versus Columbus Grove. Yeah, you know, that's going to be an interesting game. Uh, Trenton Barraza for uh, Columbus Grove, and then you mentioned it, Co- or Coach, I mentioned it, Coach Schaefer um, does a really, really nice job with those kids. They've been a Final Four teams. They've been regional finalist teams for a lot of years. That should be a pretty good battle. I think um, Patrick Henry, if I had to give an edge, um, Patrick Henry probably has the edge, but Columbus Grove coming off a very, very nice win over a pretty good Liberty Benton team last week and a tough environment. So, um, you know, Columbus Grove is going to look to come into Patrick Henry and, and try to come away with the win. PH is going to have to play mistake-free football mm-hmm. to win that game because Columbus Grove's a team that will capitalize on errors. Absolutely, and it's a very hard place to win at Patrick Henry. Uh, the Archibald Blue Streaks against Tenora. Yeah, that's an interesting game. Um you know, Tenor is going to have to be very, very physical up front. Uh, Archibald's going to going to blitz, and they're going to send a lot of guys at you. So Graziani's going to have to make choices. He's going to have to get out of the pocket, kind of like he did against Liberty Center. Um, Gus Weiler's going to have to have a nice game to kind of give him some time. Uh, they're going to have to be able to run the football. Tenor's got to get healthy. They got a couple more starters out. Hopefully, they're good to go for Friday. Uh, we go over to the NLL for this one. Uh, AW uh, hosting BG. In my personal opinion. <laughs> Um, I think this is an interesting game, too. BG's coming off of uh, a couple of really nice wins. They're feeling pretty confident. Um, different animal going against Anthony Wayne, though. We'll see what they're able to do. Is that at Anthony Wayne or at it's BG? At, it's at Anthony Wayne. So, at, tough place to the, play there. The BG, um, BG's going to have their hands full, but it could be an interesting game. And and the last one, in my personal opinion, well, yeah. Uh, St. Mary's traveling over, hosting the, the Dogs. Um, against Defiance, yeah, yes. uh, that's an interesting game. Another one I think is is kind of interesting as well is Crestview at Wayne Trace, guys. Yep, that's um, a very good yep. one. You know, Wayne Trace, uh, you know, a really nice win in week one, struggled a little bit in week mm-hmm. two. Crestview coming off of a big loss to a very, very good Macomb team. That could be a really good game, guys. I, I, it would be. It would be really interesting. So, Phil, I believe you got some stuff for us. Well, I just want to go over some of the games that I kind of thought were good. Uh, you know, Eastwood didn't end up beating Elmwood uh, in a pretty dominant fashion. Uh, Coldwater with a huge win over Bellefontaine, 28-25, uh, able to find enough offense there. Is, you know, something that was a concern for me if they were going to be able to do that. I also wrote down Norwalk St. Paul at Milan Edison. Edison um, was able to win that game pretty handily. Um, I put down Liberty Benton at Columbus Grove, and uh, obviously we just talked about that a little bit. Columbus Grove with a pretty uh, nice win uh, against a, a really good Liberty Benton team, and you know really shut down Liberty Benton's passing game. And then the other one I wrote down was the Kirtland game, and Kirtland uh, beat Lutheran West 49 to 14. So you know you talk about oh you know Kirtland Division Six going against Division Three. It don't matter, guys. Uh, Kirtland is just – they're a different animal. So, congratulations because Kirtland just won their 57th consecutive regular season football game. Do we, so, know, do we know what the all-time record longest win streak is? I don't know. That's definitely – I want to know what the record is for most touchdowns in a game because I want to know if Brylan Parker broke that record. Because that's – maybe it was 11 or something. But that was – dude, nine is, is incredible. Sounds like That's we had, incredible. Boys, sounds like we had to do a very – So, we're going to do some research. In, uh, very intense, not intense, um, advanced research on Google. 
Got to do yeah. our homework, boys. And then I, the last <laughs> one yeah, I put both, down. I guess all three of us are now fired. Yeah. The <laughs> last one I put down was uh, Marion Pleasant and Bucyrus Winford because this is just a backdoor ball, brawl rivalry. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bucyrus Winford was able to get a two-point win, 22-20 to 20, over Marion Pleasant, a team that uh, um, the team of the Tigers of yesteryear played uh, back in the 2000, uh, traveled over to Finley. Uh, to watch the Liberty Center Marion Pleasant game, uh, Marion Pleasant took a twenty-one and nothing lead over the Tigers, and the game ended up twenty-eight twenty-one Liberty Center. So, uh, you know, Liberty Center was kind of a second-half team in two thousands in the playoff run. Struggled a little bit in the first quarter against Delphus Jefferson as well, and then were able to come away with the win on that one too. So, uh, just going down a little bit of history lane for you there. Who does like some old history? So, uh, with that being said, um. Before we get to our shouts and all that, our our uh, vote belt hopefuls post will be either coming up to, uh, later today or tomorrow, sometime tomorrow. Um, uh, also, uh, Tory didn't Tory didn't, we didn't get to hear Tory's militia his militia five. Yep. But I did write them down, and I want to mention them. Uh, number five is Antwerp, who got the win. Number four was Defiance, who got a big win. Number three was Patrick Henry, who got a big win. And then this was the one that he thought was going to turn some heads for us. Um, he moved PA, or Liberty Center to two and put Archbold at one. Um, you know, after a dominant win over St. Henry, uh, you know, can't necessarily blame him. You know, Tory saw mm-hmm. Archbold play in person against Genoa. So um, interesting take there. And that was his Militia 5. So he didn't get to put that out. So I wanted you guys to know that. So. All right, so Phil, we got some shout outs to get uh, to give out here, bud. Yeah, um just a, a big shout out to A B Perfectionist Painting, uh, and knock it out drywall. You can call the guys uh at four one nine nine oh six one six two seven. Uh get a free quote. You can email them at a B perfectionist painting at gmail dot com. Uh once again free quotes. Uh call the drywall guys, they'll put the drywall in and then call the painters to come paint it for you. Uh quality painting made easy. Um Dorian Hooker's Pro Day Performance Training. Um, with Dorian Hooker and Jordan Purdue, you can give that, those guys a call. They train athletes all over the four-county, five-county, six-county area. I mean, they do athletes from everywhere. It's a great environment over there. Um, Meyer Bait and Hop Insurance, servicing the people since 1933. Or how O'Reilly likes to say it. And Mayor. <laughs> Mayor Bait and Hop. And then uh, Mr. Field Goal himself, Josh Martin. Shout-out to Kurt Chambers with Chambers Control, solar panel technology, techie stuff that will give migraines for Phil for at least the rest of his life. <laughs> uh, Swat Welding with Norm Zider uh, Providing fabrication services And helping Northwest Ohio Athletics For at least 197 years Three Chord Sign it, sew it, screen it, print it With Hillary Shane Hollenbaugh And yes, that is his real first name Oh, nice <laughs> I know, right? Random. Here's a random fact of the day KK Collision with uh, Kyle Kern Amazing guy there Do not make him mad Trust me, you don't want to, you don't want to do that And our and Liberty's favorite family of all this Snyder family of Tiger Den Dairy Bar, and every and don't forget, folks. Every time we go there, always ask for a Duke Burger, and always tell them we sent you. Yeah, and a big shout out also to LC Tiger Sports Live for the studio and use of the equipment and uh, being able to come in here and not have to roast our butts in a garage or freeze in a garage. That's always nice. So, <laughs> yep. so with that being said, I'm your host Isaiah Marco. Uh, I'm your co-host, the Snowman, and just remember that stats are cool. Indeed, they are. Captain Caveman, and can we please get me a bell? <laughs> right, we would think about it. And once again, people, this is Endzone Militia.